dia de sol Eu fui pra trabalhar Beautiful souls, I'm Camille. And this is Erica of the Healthcare from the Soul, the Healer's Journey podcast where we listen to stories from heart-centered healthcare providers who are rewriting their story as healers of this world. Now more than ever, they feel dissonance within themselves and the system and are answering their soul's calling for something more. Erica and Camille host retreats around the globe for healthcare professionals interested in discovering more about their life's purpose in the healing arts. To learn more, head on over to the show notes. Let's go to the show. Hello, hello. Hello. Welcome to Healthcare from the Soul. I'm Erica. I'm Camille. And today we are going to talk about nervous systems of a healer and nervous systems of a healthcare professional and the importance of a regulated nervous system. Not only when you're in the clinic, but then also in your life and how it's important to have a regulated nervous system. Yes. So the sympathetic nervous system is the mode that Camille and I can both relate to because it was a mode that we were in for a very long time in medicine from the time that we were in PA school. I would say, to through preceptorships, through the years of practice. And we imagine that because we went through it, that there are healthcare professionals out there that are either going through it right now or have been through it. And here's the little caveat here is I would not have recognized that I was in this state of fight, flight, freeze when I was in it. So that's why I think it's so important to have this discussion because so typically, and I think that you've probably experienced this with patients too, when they come in with uh, chest pain or anxiety, just very like overt symptoms and their test results are inconclusive or are negative for any sort of acute incident mm -hmm, that we ask about stress in life. Right. And most patients say, well, nothing's different. You know, my life is I'm not taking on more right now. And then you say, okay, well, walk me through a typical day of yours. Right, right. And then when you hear about their day, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you can see their breath getting more shallow and I'm start getting, you know, some heart palpitations and just listening to it. So many times don't even recognize when we're living in this primary sympathetic nervous system. And also, I didn't really recognize when I uh, was living in that for so long until I actually got out of it mm. and then was placed back in it. Right. And then right. had that reaction again. And I was like, oh, God, my body doesn't really know how to do this for long periods of time. Right. And that's what eventually happens when you take space away, when you step away and take a beat, however long that may be. That's at the point where. I think a lot of people, especially over the last two years, are at, but there's nothing that indicates that there's anything on the other side. <laughs> because when you're in the fight or flight, freeze or fawn state, you 
can't see anything like logistically, uh, logically, you cannot see anything in front of you. You're just worried about the current situation and kind of going over the past. So it is important to be able to identify what this looks like. So we're going to go over what that looks like, right? Let's do it. All right. So depersonalization, I think is a big one, especially when people in the healthcare field, right? Like not identifying your patient as a person, but rather as a object that needs to be fixed or a nuisance or a burden. What else? Not coming up with creative solutions to problems. Mm -hmm. Being reactive instead of responsive, feeling overwhelmed, anxious, worried, mm -hmm. like it's the end of the world. Pressed. Maybe even saying things like, only if my patients would just do what I said. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at patients as a, yeah, like they're broken, like a nuisance. Mm hmm as they're not, so the difference between a healthcare professional's nervous system that is on the verge of burnout versus the healers, right? Mm -hmm. So a healer comes from a space of connection as a model, as a partner to their patient, as a guide, looks at a patient as empowered. They're often a team player. Take a beat takes a beat. Whereas the healthcare professional whose nervous system is on fight or flight may just look at the bottom line and getting through the day and wakes up and says, oh my God, I have 12 hours ahead of me and I don't want to do it. <laughs> and I think it's interesting too, because it's not just the environment that plays a role in that, right? About your no. busy workload. It really isn't the environment at all. Mm. Mm. What do you mean by that? Well, it's entirely your inner world colors your outside mm -hmm. world, right? Uh, we had Dr. Wendy Schaefer. Schaefer, and she talked about how it was all about changing her inside, that mm. she saw the fun, exciting landscape of a clinic on the outside mm -hmm. and that's all it is it's an inside game like once you calm and bring peace to your inside world then you end up seeing that on the outside eventually and really even when you walk into your work environment even looking around and saying I'm so grateful that this person is working today Right. Or right. I'm so grateful that I have a desk in this area. I don't know if you're in like a what sort of setting you are, but really being grateful for your your work setup or for the fact that you maybe get a lunch break when other people may not, or the fact that you can leave the building if you need to and go on a little quick walk. However it may be, I know that when I changed that mindset for myself when mm -hmm. I started having tons of gratitude for where I worked right it changed everything and actually that job ended up releasing me at some <laughs> point um which is exactly what I needed and wanted in order to make the transitions that I needed in life but I wouldn't have been able to do that I don't think if I wouldn't have been grateful for what I had that's a big one because then it was giving more of what I wanted right, right. in life 
instead of resentful for what you don't have, whether it's resources or supportive staff or whatever it is in your situation. How do we step out from a dysregulated nervous system into a regulated nervous system? And why would we want to do that? If we're comfortable and safe and we get the job done in this dysregulated space, why would we want to do that? Maybe, because maybe you don't. It's a choice, right? Everybody gets to decide. Maybe you are happy or content living in the default. And I think many people from the old paradigm, and I'm included in that, uh, thought that I would practice medicine forever in the same way that I would practice medicine, right? Like I always heard about and saw and was mentored by people who were in the practice for decades until their 70s, 80s. <laughs> and if that is you and you're totally fine in that, there's no need or desire or heart song that you want to sing away from that, then keep doing what you're doing. But I have a feeling if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast, that's not you. No, I don't think it is. <laughs> and I feel like there's something out there that's calling you mm -hmm. or maybe something actually inside of you that's calling you to mm -hmm. something different. And we just had a conversation with Dr. Juan Davila and he spoke to this, like he was terrified and it is a terrifying experience to think about leaving the identity that has kept you safe and secure and the job security is through the roof in this one profession. And then to go off and find something else that you can't even fathom because most of us have gone into this because no, we just decided to go into this at a very early age and to even get clarity on something else, it just won't come through as mm. long as we're dysregulated. Yes, that's so, so perfect. So in really mentioning when we are in this sympathetic nervous system, we see life as against us, mm -hmm. right? We yeah. see people as other. Mm -hmm. We see yeah. we're in the defensive and victim a victim mentality and when we are in that space we can't think of creative solutions that i had mentioned before we even look at the system right that is set up in some ways to be against us and like these large systems but we even see it more and so we can't really view it any differently like how no, in the world we would we do healthcare in a different way right. because it's so broken it's so broken it's irreversible right right and we can't get that bird's eye view we can't zoom way out and look and see that there are a million other ways that this can be done until we actually take a breath and take some space to regulate our nervous systems enough to get out of the prefrontal cortex and i mean to get into the prefrontal cortex and out of the reptilian brain. And so first always is awareness, right? Is awareness where we are. Yeah. And that are, are where we are kind of on the scale of dysregulation. Are we constantly living in this fight or flight? 
And that can really even look like more of a yellow and not screaming red, right? If we're looking at a stop sign and we have the red being like a massive fight or flight freeze where we're just like screaming and our faces beat red and we're pounding our fists, right? Being yeah. on one side of the spectrum. And on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, we're just, you know, sitting in, in a, our, on our cushion meditating, right? And then there's every room between. So what happens is typically I see, or this is where I live, where I was more in the yellow, right? Where I'd wake up and it was like the waking up on the wrong side of the bed type of thing, right? And then everything just kind of snowballed. It's like I stubbed my toe and then I spilled my coffee and then I was five minutes late to work. And then all of these things just kind of happened to me is yes. what I thought. Yeah. And so I wasn't in this irate state but yet I was living in this kind of responsive state constant. And so one of the things that I recognized and I did before I stepped away and really was able to regulate my nervous system in a different way, really slow the body down. So it's more than just slowing the mind. It's actually both. And you can feel it, right? You can feel right. it in your body when your body is still. And, and so what I would do is before I'd walk into a room, I would wait and I would take Take a beat. Take a beat, right? I would take those five. I mean, I did different things at different times, but one easy thing is just five deep breaths. When I walked in the room, I would compliment the patients on something, right? Beautiful. You know, maybe it was having such patience for waiting so long or that they filled out their intake, you know, very right. thoroughly or whatever it was, right? Recognizing that they are human and I am human and we're here in this human experience together. I also did that because it's the importance of how it looks when we snowball it out, where the ripple effect that it has is that when I would come home, I would also do the same thing. I would take a beat before yeah. I walked into the house saying what I was grateful for about being home. Mm -hmm. And even though my kids were really young at the time, how crazy it was going to be when I walked <laughs> in. Insane, lit, lit, witching hour for children. But I would um, have gratitude before I went in and that actual gratitude actually has shown physiologically to heal our body. They showed that people who have were in a, gr a grateful state healed faster, had less, have less pain. It's an immune system builder. And yes, immune system builder. Exactly. And stress Heart is actually down. the opposite. Yeah. Right. It decreases our immune system's response when we're in a stressed state. Yeah. So, so important. So important and so simple, yet we don't do it. And sometimes we don't do it because we don't feel like we have time, but everybody has time to take five deep breaths and to take 10 seconds to have gratitude for yourself and then walk into a room and have gratitude for the, the other. So there is no other. This also... It's really interesting. Another little technique that you can use, and I've been geeking out about this recently, but it's the idea of when we're looking at our computer screen or even when we're looking in people's eyes, right? And we do both when we're in a patient intake setting, right? So right, right. especially looking at our computers more than we're actually looking at the person. But what that does is that focuses the eye. So let's think about it as a predator coming across our 
line of sight, right? Mm -hmm. And so what do we do? We start focusing in on that predator. Our pupils dilate, our, yes, shallow breathing, our muscles tense of our shoulders and our neck, we're fixated. And our heart rate increases. We're getting ready to run. Yes. And the same thing, there are studies that have been shown from the Huberman lab about who's an optometrist and neuroscientist, I believe. They'll have to look that up. Um, but he does a lot of studies on vision. And that just doing all of the computer work that we're doing is actually keeping us in that sympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so one way that you can do this um, in between patients or actually while you're with a patient, but is is extending out your peripheral vision, extending your vision into the periphery. So that would make it where you can actually see more clearly the objects that are in the periphery, mm-hmm. right? Because when we're in the more focused, then everything on in the periphery is blurred. So the way you can do this, if it's hard to kind of focus outside or put take your focus away from the middle, the midline, is to slowly look around the room and just moving your eyes and your head with it. And then just saying like, oh, I see a printer. And then looking at your, at the floor, I see a purple shoe. And then looking over to your right. And then actually saying in your out loud or in your mind, like what you're seeing, gets you back into the parasympathetic nervous system. And so this is a way without learning how to see peripherally, if you will, to slow down your nervous system. How cool would it be if you just walked into your patient's room and sat down with them and said, all right, we're both going to feel really safe in this appointment right now. Let's do this together. There have, you know, you can riff on when you go and do your research on this. You can riff on that for a few seconds and then be like, okay, let's do this. Look to your left, see what you see, notice what you notice. Look to your right, look behind you in that corner, look behind you in the other corner. Let's take some deep breaths together. All right. How can I help you today? I feel what's better. going on already. Right. You're just doing that right now. Yeah. Just being in the space of yeah. it. Yeah. And that's it. Our patience are never going to change until we do. Yes, we are mirrors. (laughs) We are mirrors. Nobody. Yeah. So that is one amazing tool. Thank you for that, Camille. Outside of the clinic, taking a morning to yourself, making sure that you wake up 20 minutes earlier and doing a gratitude list or doing some breath work or doing a meditation or just making your coffee or tea and sitting in the front porch and looking around you, or just going full-fledged and taking a sabbatical Mm -hmm. and seeing where that space takes you. (laughs) Right, yeah. From the micro-practical to the massive leap. Which is, uh, we, we we were just interviewing Dr. Juan Davila and he was talking about how when he was transitioning into a busy rural clinic into his own practice that he had four weeks where he was with his kids um, eight hours a day. And he was like, Oh my God, my kids are annoying. (laughs) But then what he ended up actually learning is how to be a better dad. 
And um, so it's so interesting what else comes through when we take a beat. <laughs> and yeah. then maybe that does look like a sabbatical. Yeah. And when you are in, when we are in the parasympathetic, when we are calm and cool and rested and relaxed, that's where the magic actually happens. It's in this field of potential that we can't even see with our eyeballs, hear, smell, touch, but it's this like infinite field of possibilities that kind of pop into our ether when we're able to just take a beat and relax and just be instead of being this human doing that we've been so programmed to be just be a human being and it's not hard to do but it's challenging to shift your mindset to commit to something that benefits you because we're so used to being in the default of hard work and always going and hustling and productivity and conveyor belt medicine that when we do step away, it's very uncomfortable. It's very foreign and it feels almost unsafe until you start doing it over and over and over and the neuroplasticity sets in and then you become kind of adapted to this new way, even if it's just a small change, like waking up a little bit early and taking some breaths or doing that exercise that Camille showed us with your patient. And then it becomes your default. And then your nervous system slowly re-regulates, re-regulates, it regulates. And then you get used to that feeling and then you do some more and the neuroplasticity builds in and the new pathway is built. And then you do some more regulating and then your nervous system feels that in another area. And then eventually you get to the point where these little things become a big shift. And then. Mm -hmm. And what one way that you can look to see if you're dysregulated Again, like I mentioned, I was in that state and I didn't really recognize it until I was outside of it, is our bodies naturally, our brains naturally want to go back to homeostasis, right. right? Which homeostasis is in this, what we're talking about here is um, slowing down, right? We're not supposed to be in that cortisol driven fight or flight state for long yeah. periods of time. And so... What you may see happen in your life is that you're reaching for what um, one of my friends calls the false good habit. And what that is, is something that gets you into that, tries to get you into that parasympathetic nervous system again. So that's like drinking alcohol mm -hmm. or looking at your phone or... Mm -hmm any way that will slow you down. So what happens is, is that it's all fine and dandy for a second, right? But then if you notice that then now you're on your phone for an hour and you actually don't feel revived and rejuvenated, you actually feel more anxious or that that one, two, three glasses of wine actually makes you more lethargic, less connected, all of the things. So that's why they're called false feel-good habits because we're doing it for a reason that's serving us. Right we need to slow down. 
And this is something that I've been practicing and really being intentional about lately is this idea of rest. And when I'm resting, the I hear the voice of my mom that's like, are you being productive? When she would take, <laughs> when she would take my kids when they were infants, she would say things like, oh my gosh, I'm sure you got so much done today. And I'm like, no, I've actually like, didn't do anything. I'm like, oh gosh, I was resting. Well, we always, we're always looking for the next thing, right? We think right. that we're lazy based on maybe what we've heard about and our beliefs when we were growing up. Um, or there's always just more to do. And especially if you're a mom um, or a caretaker of any kind, there's always something else to do. And so really when I'm in that rest state where I'm sitting and I'm not reaching for the phone or something else to distract me, it's uncomfortable. It's really, really uncomfortable at first. And sitting there and we're just sitting there through the discomfort of it. And then it gets comfortable. And I'm like, okay, why don't I feel like I deserve to just sit here and do nothing? Right. You know, oh, I'm so bored. That comes up. I'm so bored. And I'm like, Camille, you've been sitting here for like three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay. You're not going to yeah. die of boredom. Yeah. yeah. That's so, a really good practice. Yeah. It's crazy hard. It's try, really hard. I'm going to try that for five minutes just not doing anything. But like you were saying, is that <laughs> as we do that, yeah. right? As we continue to practice that, then we lay these new yeah. neural networks and that becomes our new norm for our nervous system. Right. So good. So, so good. we would love to hear from you guys and where you think you are in this spectrum of stress yeah I like that the spectrum of stress where you are in the spectrum of stress do you even notice it do you notice it in your patients what have you done to really try to regulate your nervous system and what has worked for you yeah let us know let us know we want to hear from you we do guess that's it we're good yeah thanks for joining us we will see you soon Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so happy you're here. We look forward to bringing you more stories from the healer's journey on healthcare from the soul. If you've loved this podcast, please let us know by dropping a review on Apple Podcasts to support us getting the word out. As our gift to you, we'll send you a meditation. Just screenshot your review and email us at healthcarefromthesoul at gmail.com. Thank you. And until next time, we're sending all our love.